Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is the best of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. A couple different stories I want to get into here and make you think a little bit as we start hour two, or at least hopefully get your brain working. Man, I don't know what's going on. You might probably hear somebody screaming in the background there. That's kind of crazy. Um, I don't know. Sometimes people just lose their mind on Radio Row. But um, Justin Timberlake is obviously performing at halftime. It's the first time he's performed at halftime since another Super Bowl the Patriots were in back in 2004. And Timberlake was asked, at least according to all of the people who have used it as a major storyline, whether or not he would allow his two-year-old son to one day play football. But the context, was he making a joke? Was he being serious? I'm going to let you listen to this audio and tell me what you think. Uh, He will never play football. Um, no, no. I, I mean, yeah. If it, it, it's kind of like that thing where where my main objective is that he become a great person, and if he wants to get into the arts or sports, then yeah. I mean, I, I would I would fully support that. I think uh, you know I can um, hopefully offer him some advice on what to do and what not to do and. And uh, so, yeah, but right now, I think uh, right now we're working on our manners. It's like uh, it's a big deal in our house right now. It's like one thing at a time. OK, that's the full audio. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's saying, honestly, that his son won't be able to play football. You guys think that he was joking in L.A.? Yeah, Clay, uh, we were arguing about this. Uh, an hour or so On ago, show. Yeah, yeah, it was a big argument because uh, Eddie Garcia thought that JT was being dead on serious, and the rest of us kind of think he was trying to tell a joke there, being a little bit on the funny side, and it didn't. The joke did not land, 
Um, that's how what I. What would t- the joke be? Well, I took it as he was saying, uh, you know, he's a Timberlake. He's going to get into the arts. He, he's not going to be a football player. I didn't take it as a CTE thing. I, I to I, me, I, I'm, I'm on Eddie's side. So I actually, I. I actually think that he's being because the joke, like, there's, there's then why no. Why did he like, say like, no, no? You know what? It just, I don't know. It, it seems like well, he's I just think goofing. Probably, I think he answered the question honestly, and then he was like. Uh oh! Like this is going to be a big story that I I'm playing the Super Bowl halftime act, and I just said that I don't want my son to play football one day, and I think he was like, "Oh, this is going to turn into a big story," and then he kind of backpedaled, and I think he just answered the question honestly, um, and maybe he'll come out and offer some form of clarity. I mean, first of all, I've got three boys, and answering what your young kid is going to do when he's two years old is kind of crazy to begin with, right? I mean, that's kind of a strange question. Um, but I, I think there are a lot of parents out there that have basically decided that they don't want their sons to play football, and it wouldn't stun me if Jessica Beal and, and Justin Timberlake, who are, I think, by the way, the more wealthy you are as a statistical measure, the less likely you are to let your kids play football. I mean, I think if you look at the way that that information is kind of trickling its way down through society, it's much like with boxing, right? The last people who box today are typically poor disadvantaged youth who basically see boxing as their way out of that lifestyle it's almost unheard of to find like if you go into a wealthy neighborhood now it's not like people are like hey yeah we're starting our kid in golf we're starting our kid in tennis and swimming and then the fourth sport that they're playing is boxing like nobody is boxing anymore and that's why I've said on this show I think the biggest threat to the NFL and, and college football in general as well, but more so the NFL, is the quarterback position. Because I think that's the first position that's going to dry up with less kids playing. Because if you play quarterback at a high level, you probably have a big arm and you could play baseball instead, right? And I think a lot of moms out there are going to start as the CTE knowledge kind of trickles down and we start to see more and more uh, athletes with severe injuries. I think it's going to trickle down. And so Timberlake and Jessica Beale are actually, I think, emblematic, although obviously they're superstars. They're emblematic of wealthier parents that I think would be fairly well-informed and also not need their kids to play football, right? If you have a – they're just playing sports for fun. I think he was being honest. So here's the full context. An entertainment reporter asked him before this if he wanted his young son to follow in his footsteps, therefore, I guess, speaking about the arts. So Timberlake immediately deflects and begins to joke, and he says, quote, Speed runs in our family. I've been running routes, too. I just want to throw this out there to Belichick. If all your receivers go down, I'll be ready to go. Do they have injuries? I think they're all healthy, as if I don't want to get into the game. And then the question that we just played, asking whether or not the son would be playing football, he says, no, 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 the son won't play football. So I can see why the L.A. crew believes, or the L.A. crew minus Eddie Garcia, believes that it might have been in jest. I can understand that argument. It sounded to me more serious than joking, but the context I do think is important. I don't think it matters because, like, in the grand scheme of things, there are a lot of parents who are making the decision not to let their kids play football. I just think it's strange. The NFL, and I I think the way he backpedaled, it was like he suddenly realized, oh, man, I'm in this ridiculous E! News type interview and I've somehow just made news about what my two-year-old's going to do in his sports future. I got another question for you guys, though, about Timberlake, which is why I want to play that audio. It was about 14 years ago that Justin Timberlake made the decision 
to uh, pull the top off of Janet Jackson. And when he made that decision, um, it turned into a huge story. But the way that it turned into a huge story to me is fascinating. If you remember back in 2004, that story was covered as if it were like some major scandal for kids, right? Like, oh my God, think of the children. Can you believe that Janet Jackson's nipple was just shown live on television? It was also in like a TiVo era where most people didn't have a DVR. Certainly it wasn't a social media era where it's going to be immediately played everywhere and be analyzed and dissected and immediately shared wildly. Here's my question for you guys. 14 years later, I don't think there's still the same level of, oh my God, think of the children, right? Because I think pornography in general has become so much more prevalent that the idea that a kid wouldn't have seen a nipple is different now than it would have been in 2004. I know the internet was still popular in 2004, but I think with Snapchat, I think with Instagram, I think with the growth of social media in general and certainly the growth of pornography, everybody has become desensitized in some level to nudity. In other words, in 2004, we didn't have Kim Kardashians necessarily of the world who were famous all because of sex tapes, right? So I think nudity has become less of like a flashpoint for the culture. But I actually think Justin Timberlake would have been in worst position for doing the same thing if he did it today for this reason. I'm not sure Justin Timberlake survives in his career if he does this in a modern era of Harvey Weinstein and Me Too. This would turn into, for many people, I believe, evidence of racism and sexism if a white guy pulls the top off of a black performer during, like, without her consent, does he get charged with a crime? Think about the fallout from Justin Timberlake doing the exact same thing with Janet Jackson in 2018 that he did in 2004. I think that this story goes, instead of it being like, oh, my God, I can't believe the kids saw a boob, I think it turns into maybe Justin Timberlake getting charged with a crime. I think it certainly turns into evidence that the Me Too movement is like, look, men have been taking advantage of women forever. I think it turns into a racial thing. People are like, look, Justin Timberlake's a white guy. White men have taken advantage of minority women for generations. Justin Timberlake's just the latest one to do so. Now, Justin Timberlake's career was relatively unimpacted, and most of the focus went to Janet Jackson. I think Janet Jackson ends up being like a woman that many people say was sexually assaulted live on the stage. Am I crazy for having that idea? I want to open up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. Timberlake coming back 14 years later, if, he, if, he, if that hadn't happened in 04 and it happened today, what would the fallout be? I think we take things so much more serious now in this country that instead of people joking about it and then other people being offended because there was nudity on the Super Bowl and they weren't anticipating it, I think it turns into a major cultural flashpoint. And ESPN and all the woke centers out there are coming on. Jamel Hill would talk about this for like 476 consecutive days about how offensive it was, how unacceptable. Do you, am I crazy for thinking the way this story would be played is totally different in 2018 than it is in 2004? Maybe. I don't think I'd go with the race argument. And oh, the race argument. Would I really be ex- don't because here's the thing. Jackson's representative came right out and said, look, and I'm, I pulled up the quote here. This is what he said at the time. 
Justin was supposed to pull away the rubber bustier to reveal a red lace bra. The garment collapsed and her breast was accidentally revealed, unquote. So it's not as if it doesn't he matter. Did, it was consent. It doesn't matter. Sure it does. The, if they went race with this, it would be completely over the top. No, they, it, would, it would be immediately She consented. It was part of the performance. She apologized and said that it was part of the performance. Said it from the very beginning, but as a matter of fact. before all of that statement comes out, on social media. They're immediately going to say he's racist? Because yes. he Really? Yes, 100%. It would turn into... I think that's insane. I don't uh, think that's true It would immediately turn into a racial incident. They would... On social media, they don't wait for anything to actually be explained. It would immediately turn into a sexual assault thing. I don't think they would issue that statement. Like, I think that it would turn into... Because social media, everybody reacts before they know the whole story, right? That's the story of social media. That's, that thing would have happened... And it would have dominated conversation long before I think there was an official statement made. I, I don't remember how long it took them to make a statement after that incident, but I bet they didn't say anything until almost after the game, maybe even after the game. Um, I, I think it would immediately take a life of its own, and I think it wouldn't be focused on nudity. Do you agree with me there? That people would be less bothered by the nudity now in modern society than they were 14 years ago? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that's a shame, but I do think that that's true. I just we disagree on the race argument. I just, what about I can't you guys? People do you, would do that. I think it would immediately turn into a major cultural flashpoint in the Me Too era, and they would be like, "This is a long legacy of what has happened with white men taking advantage of minority women." It would turn into a total mess. There'd be all these think pieces, and it wouldn't have very much to do with nudity at all. Am I crazy for believing that that would be a reflection of where we would go in today's modern media? Well, black people would defend Justin Timberlake. Um, I mean, every, Why? Because he's accepted. Once he started recording with Timbaland, he basically was doing a form of black music. He became music. Michael Jackson. Yeah, in for o- reals. In 04, it's hard for me to remember Justin Timberlake in 04, like what exactly his stature was. I mean, he was still on the upswing. That was right? the second album, right? Yeah. Because Rock Your Body was one of the songs he did on stage. I think that was the song because the lyric in the song says, I'm going to have you naked by, by the, the end, end of the song. song. And then yeah. he sets up the move. Which is why people didn't See, believe Janet, the response of... Janet would defend him too, Clay, so that would squash and it. And did. Yeah. I don't know if she would in this modern era. I think oh, that people would on. want she, her oh. to... I think, I'm serious. People would want her to be a spokesperson. So she'd let him hang on the vine? She would it's not do... all the time. She wouldn't do She's that She's never to been him. that kind of person, though, I don't think. I think I think it would turn into an insane mess that would have nothing to do with the nudity. Now, the nudity I thought was funny in and of itself. To me, like if you are worried about your kid seeing a nipple, like get a life. I mean, I mean, your kid uh, is trying to. If you're if you got a boy, they're trying to see uh, nudity basically from the age of ten on at any possibility. And now it's a lot easier to access than the internet. So I don't think the nudity would actually be the story. I think all the think pieces and everything else would turn into this is a emblematic of our time like this is a reflection of women not controlling their own bodies like all of this stuff would blow up and it would be Justin Timberlake I think would be in serious jeopardy career-wise within a couple of minutes of that happening and going viral on social media I think it would turn ugly no I really do and no not way. the ugly hundred percent. I, I mean, I, I believe, I do believe you that you would see that on social media. You would see a lot of it because Instanta- just... instantane, instantaneously, right. every, there's a hundred million people watching and everybody feels the need to immediately react, obviously on social media and the woke sports contingent would immediately hijack this story. 
there would be a lot of people who'd be like, "Ha that's funny." There'd be a lot of people like, "All right, we got to see a boob on the sport, you know, on on the Super Bowl," and like not take it that seriously. And then there would be a ton of people who would immediately treat it as an insanely serious story. I, I, I agree really, with I, that, but I don't think anything would come of it because I don't see Janet Jackson hanging out to dry. And if she did, either. then it would become a mess because then I'm sure Justin Timberlake would sue her because she was she was in on it. I mean, sue did her? you? Did yeah, totally for, in on it. did you did you see the, the? I mean, look at the nipple ring that she's wearing. I mean, she she knew. I mean, I feel I feel like she knew it was going to be exposed. You don't. You, that's like costume jewelry. That's not just any old nipple ring. It was like a blazing sun. It would be <laughs> a blazing wow. sun. Quite quite a description. Did you just break that's what down I thought when I saw ring? it too? As a matter of fact, I yeah, didn't see the I, ring. I felt like she knew it was going to be seen, and so she chose that. She chose that piece of so jewelry. You're, but see, here's the deal. She would. The way it would play is. If she admitted that she was trying to get naked during the Super Bowl uh, performance, then she's in trouble, right? Then it turns into her being the target. I think it would be totally different. I think Timberlake would be judged as the problem here. And I real—I mean, am I crazy on this? We'll open up phone lines, 877-996-6369. Would people, like, what I think should happen, okay, here's my theory in general. When this happened, I was like, this is not a big deal. Like, back in 04, I'm like, this shouldn't be a big deal. Um, but it turned into a massive deal in 04, and almost all of the attention was predicated on, oh, my God, think of the children. They just saw a boob on television. This is unacceptable. I think in 2018, nudity and pornography have become so much more mainstream in society that the number of people who would be like, oh, my God, I, my, my kid saw a boob. We can't live with anymore. They're, they're done for. I think that group would disappear, and I think it would turn into race sex, a war over Justin Timberlake and what he represented. I'm telling you it would. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We're joined now by Doug Flutie. Doug, I want to start with this. The last time the Bills were in the playoffs prior to this year, Last minute, you lose the starting job for the game against the Tennessee Titans that turns into the Music City Miracle. Would you have ever believed that it would take that long for the Bills to get back into the playoffs when you were at that game? Not at all. We went back-to-back seasons into the playoffs and uh, had a good, I thought, a very good thing going. We had an excellent team that season especially. Um, Couldn't imagine how things went for Buffalo over the years. And, you know, I I always thought along the lines of, it was tough for them to get the big-time free agents to come to Buffalo because of the weather, because of that uh, scenario. And people want to be in big cities and all that. They, maybe that held them back a little bit. But it was so much fun to see them win this year and, and get to the playoffs. And that snow game was going to be all-time classic. So some good things were happening. It's them. wild to think back on that game now, too, because it's not very often that a quarterback doesn't get to start in the playoffs, right? I mean, that's a crazy story. That happened story. to me twice in my career. Twice in your so, – so how does that get told to you that, like, you, hey, by the way, Doug, you're not starting in the playoffs? Well, this – well, I know uh, – how did Wade tell me? They just called me into the office and said, were hey, you? we're going we're gonna to go with Rob. Rob had started the last game of the regular season. I, um, I actually sprained my knee, and – Rob uh, played against Indianapolis in a meaningless game. Where you already had your playoff. We had our spot. They had their spot and all that. And he played well. And they had spent a lot of money on Rob to that point. 
and wanted to see some benefits from it and started them in the playoff. Were you stunned when you got that in news? Uh, I was not. My wife thought I was crazy. Back in 88, I, I started maybe nine games or so for New England and got us back in the playoff hunt and took a like a one in three team or something like that to a 10 win season. And uh, all of a sudden, the last game of the year, they decided to go back to Tony Eason. And we actually lose to Denver in Denver, who was like 2-14 and 14 that year and didn't make the playoffs. So uh, I was, I'm always skeptical and always kind of had that chip on my shoulder like they're trying to do something. And, and so I kind of saw it coming. But then again, I'm paranoid. Will you stay and watch the Patriots? I, obviously, you've got a long-term connection to the city of Boston. Um, is that the team kind of you feel most connected to in the NFL now? Yeah, it is. I've uh, been a Boston guy all my life, and my wife is, and, and I grew up a uh, Patriot fan, so she's dressed in head-to-toe Patriot gear all week long, and it's not, it's not subtle. Yes. Um, so, so this week we are staying for the game. Usually I, I get out of town, but the Patriots have been in it so often now. Um, she really wanted to go this, this year, so uh, we're sticking around for the game. You ever think, what if I'd been born 6'4"? <laughs> All I wanted to do was be 6'4 to sign my contract. <laughs> right. Then when it came time to play, go back to being yes. 5'10", because that, I know no different. You know, I really know no different. And you know, people tell you, well, how difficult is it? I don't know, because I don't know what it's like to be 6'4 and see the field. The one thing that gave me that feeling uh, was a few years after I was playing in the NFL or whatever, and I was back at my old high school. My old high school coach was still there, and the kids wanted me to take a snap or two. So I got under center and dropped back and threw a couple balls. And it was like, oh, my gosh. I can actually see the This is probably what it feels like to be 6'4". I can actually see. Um, So I really, I didn't know any different. You you take your read and deliver the ball. It didn't seem like a big deal to me. Do you root for the guys who are smaller? Like, I mean, Baker Mayfield's a guy coming out this year, kind of plays a little bit like you. I mean, not as fast, probably is not as mobile as you were, but still – a real fun guy to watch that you don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, Johnny Manziel is another guy that was compared to you a great deal. Do you find yourself rooting for those guys that kind of reflect in some way the way, the way I, that you play I the do. game? I do. I do. Not just that, that they're smaller, but the guys that have taken the tough route to get there. It's not handed to them on a silver platter. They weren't the first pick in the NFL draft and given 10 opportunities. When you're six foot or around there or under or whatever it is, you better prove you can play right away because if you, if you don't succeed right away, you're going to be gone. The other guys get four or five years to prove themselves and bounce from team to team and still get a big contract and all that. Tim Dwight and I used to say it all the time. Tim was a small kick return wide receiver guy out of Iowa. Um, we had to prove every day that we belong. Those guys have to prove they don't belong. And so a guy like Baker Mayfield, who was a walk-on and transferred and fought to get an opportunity – yeah, I root for guys like that all the time. Drew Brees. Drew, Drew going through the shoulder injury. You know, he was a first-round draft. But Drew had a shoulder injury. San Diego gave up on him. And it wasn't handed to him. You know, he had to go earn it. I, I love Drew for that. Well, not for that, but the way he has approached it and the career he's had. Tom Brady versus Michael Jordan has been a big debate we've had. We're talking with Doug Flutie right now, live on Radio Road, Third Floor Mall of America. Which do you think is more impressive? Let's say Brady goes out and wins his sixth Super Bowl. Jordan obviously won six titles in eight yeah. years with the Bulls. I think they're the, both the best team athlete, single player on a team athlete in the last 40 years. Who would you go with, Brady or would you oh, go with Jordan? Gosh. I mean, Jordan was just such a phenomenal athlete. 
and bat- it, I, I don't know that I can say. I mean, I'm a I'm I'm much closer with Tom, so I say Tom because I'm I'm partial. But um, in in the NBA, one player can dominate. Yes. Yeah, one player can dominate. In the NFL, you can have the greatest quarterback in the world, and if you don't have a team around him, he looks terrible. Look at Steve Young in the beginning of his career in Tampa. Uh, you know, go way back to um, Peyton and Eli's dad, Archie Manning. It was great in New you know, Orleans, but they were Unbelievable. Yes. Played his tail off for years and never won anything. So in football, it's the one sport where you need a, you need a full cast of characters to get the job done. So it's complete. It's apples and oranges. Well, who are you here with? I'm with... I'm with Epson, and I've been with Epson for quite a while now, and I'm a small business owner, and we talk about their printers and things you can do in-house that, that make your business more efficient, and their, their printing quality is, is second to none. Uh, you can do your own printing signage and postage within, in-house and save a lot of money, and that's what you look for as a small business owner. Uh, the number one thing I like to talk about with them is their EcoTank system, which can last up to two years without having to change cartridges. You know, everybody goes over to a cartridge, and it's, you're, you're out of ink, and all of a sudden they, you back away and let somebody else change it. So that's usually the headache in the office. Appreciate the time, my man. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate Good luck it. to the Patriots. and Because ho- you. we want your wife to be happy, right? Yeah, always. <laughs> yeah, always. Right. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Todd McShay with us now. All right, I, mean, I got a quiz for you here. Uh-oh. My producer. Yep. Um, came on and he was talking about how the city of Philadelphia is trying to exercise its dreaming, demons, as in like I'm going to get on the elliptical and I'm going to exercise. Is that the correct use of the term there? No. It's exorcism, right? Yes. Right. Exercise. Okay. Now, this guy. I was right worried. Here, I was worried. I, no, 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 you're on the spot. But this guy right here, he prides himself on his grammar. Like he's always correcting people when they make errors. And so, like, he wanted I heard him it. To, to jog it off. Yeah, it's been. A, it's been. Yes, he wanted him to jog it off. It's been a rough w- couple of weeks for him. Um, he, he had Super to tap Bowl out. Super weeks rough. I mean, that can that can happen to anybody. Nights, but this mornings. is like. I mean, he's almost forty, and this is something he's believed his whole life. Like, that's a tough position to get in. Like, you just dunked on him. You're an NFL analyst, and he is a producer who fancies himself a grammarian. And right. you just came in and just dunked on him. Sorry, bud. <laughs> it's first time we've met too. Sorry. Yeah, I know. Uh, I thought it. I thought. Um, What's the phrase? I just recently learned it, and I'm 40. Yeah. Um, what is it? Uh, I used to think it was year, not ear. Uh, what's the phrase? Somebody will know. We'll, co- we'll come up with it later. Yeah. We're talking topic that, that shades. Well. It's going <laughs> to. <laughs> You're going to have a long day of radio. How many shows are you doing today? Do you know? They haven't told me, I think, on purpose. Three hours, it's 15 minutes, so do that math. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty crazy. So. I appreciate you coming on with us, and, and I want to dive right into it because uh, you spend so much time watching these guys on tape. Baker Mayfield's actually going to be on Radio Row today. I would say he's probably, of the top draft picks, the guys we expect to go in the top four maybe, yep. the most controversial. Are you a believer or not? I am, and it's taken me a while. I came into the season, to be honest with you, I thought he was more of a, a backup grade, and to me that's you know later second, third round at the quarterback position. And I thought he became more patient in the pocket. Really, if you go back and look at it, the Ohio State game, they won and, and he played well. But in that, in that game through about the Iowa State game where they lost, he was still Johnny Manziel. And for whatever reason, and I, I've been meaning to ask him this and need to, and maybe I'll ask Lincoln Riley, his coach, he, at that point forward, 
after the loss to Iowa State, he became more of a pocket passer. He, he started to understand the importance of staying in and going through progressions and then being able to, to get out of the pocket. And, and I thought he showed a lot more Russell Wilson the second half of the season. And, and I think, you know, just being able to see that and then the accuracy with which he throws the ball, the, obviously the mobility when he needs it. And I think he just has great football instincts, and I think he's a great leader. So he hit the six-foot height that everybody wants quarterbacks to yep. hit at a minimum, right? I got a theory for you that I've never heard anybody else throw out, and I want to get your take on this. I bet you haven't heard it before. Why don't we measure the eye height as opposed to the height? Because if you have a huge forehead, in theory, like right? Like, like a five-head. Like, <laughs> like yep. Peyton Manning, right? Yep. Peyton Manning, everybody's like, oh, he's six five, But his eyes might only be like – the you know, first I've heard of this. Why? Like, is could this not revolutionize? Like, everybody's <laughs> like, "Oh, Drew Brees barely six feet," but Russell Wilson's like, "Why not go to the eye level? Because that's what matters, right? Like, can you see over the line? The extra head you have yeah, is totally invaluable. It does or not valuable? No, I think that's. I'd be interested to see if they're like how big of a difference. But then again, if we're if we're really worried about six one versus five eleven and a half, then. Then if that's, there's an inch difference, that could be, all right, we're going to get that in the combine this year. Yeah, there's no doubt at all about that. <laughs> um, I, and that is funny in and of itself. How many guys go in the first round? Quarterbacks? Yes. Yeah, 32. I, 32 I, I feel good about 32 going in the first round unless one of the teams decides not to pick. If I was Vegas, I would set it at four and a half. I think four is – I feel really good about four. And I think four could go earlier than people are expecting. I, I think at number one, the Browns could easily – let's say they go Sam Darnold. Yeah, Josh Rosen's going to go closely thereafter. I could be to the the Giants at two. The Jets are sitting there at six. The uh, Denver sitting just before them at five. I'll be interested to see if the Jets try to get up ahead of Denver in one of those spots with the Colts at three or the the Browns after they've already taken a quarterback, and they could take a quarterback in, in Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen out of Wyoming. So there's a uh, there's a chance. A legitimate chance that the four quarterbacks go in the first six picks. And if it's anything like last year where we had Kansas City and Houston moving way up to go get their guys, we could see a lot of action in that, that number two spot and number three spot. When you see like one of these things come down, like your, your boy Mel Kuyper who's been doing these mock drafts forever, when you see Josh Allen and he has him at number one, your first reaction, is it to roll your eyes, is it to be like Mel's lost his mind, or are you like, this is going to be great for us to debate because I'm not going to say Josh Allen's number one guy? He, he does a lot of that, okay? He will, he'll put guys in that he doesn't think has a chance of going in the top 25. He'll put them in, the, in their big board just to get attention. Yes. And then he'll, you'll, I've noticed over years, obviously, working with him, then he'll gradually just drop them out. But, hey, I was there. I liked him first. I yes. liked, back, then, back in October, Todd, I had him in, my, in the, you know, the big board and so on and so forth. So he definitely has his, his ways with that one. I think there's some potential validity to it simply because of Josh Allen and his big arm and in that city in the AFC North. We've got Marcus Mariota coming on with so us Marcus, now. I'm sure you, you know him. Uh, let's grab you on that end, too. If you guys can both talk. I actually want to ask you, what your take on Marcus Mariota when he was coming into the league was. And, Marcus, do you remember, as you can put that headset on, because everybody's got an opinion of you when you're coming in for the NFL draft, and Todd McShay is really good at what he does. Like, he breaks down everybody. But do you remember what his opinion of you was when you were coming into the league? I don't. I don't. Do, do you remember what your opinion <laughs> was? I had, I had him as the number two quarterback, and I, it was it was very close between you and uh, Jameis, right? Yep. yep. Yeah, we're joined now. I had both of you in the top, I think, one, two. We had- it was all said and done. Scott Frost, though, your coach, absolutely, still to this day, I see him once or twice a year. We bet a 
I'm not going to say what we bet. We bet, <laughs> we bet something on, uh, it could be pricey, on whether Jay, you or Jameis would have a better career. And I said, yeah, Scott, I'm not, like, I think he's going to be really good and, and could be just as good, if not better. He's like, no, but you, you don't get it. You don't get it. He's the most accurate quarterback I've ever been around. Da, da, da. So I was like, fine, I'll take the bet. And so we have three more years, he says, and he, every time I see him. Marcus, That's I think awesome. I'm your biggest fan in all the media. Like, I take a lot of flack for saying that I think you're going to be a uh, Hall of Famer. So, no pressure from me at all. Well, I appreciate uh, that. Um, so, you. for you, winning the first playoff game and winning it on the road, I feel like when you're a young guy, and Todd, you've seen this too, it seems like if you get one at a young age of the playoffs, because the pressure keeps going up as you get older and you get into the playoffs, do you feel in any way like you got a weight off your shoulders getting to the playoffs and winning a game, or does that have any, any kind of significance to you at all? Well, I, I think it was a, a step in the right direction for our team. Um, you know, ups and downs throughout the entire year to be able to, to put it together, to win at home against Jacksonville, to get in, and then win on the road was huge. And I think that, for our young core group of guys, will help us in the future. You said you, there's a big debate between Jameis and, uh, and Mariota. And I'm curious for you. How much do you watch, once the guys get to the NFL, how much do you continue to watch and they evolve and, like, your rankings? And also for you, it seems like quarterbacks are a little bit like golfers. Like, you guys watch each other. You shake hands at the end of the game. You root for each other almost like kickers do, right? Like kickers on the sideline. Is there some sort of kinship that's different compared to other positions at the quarterback position from your perspective? Well, I think there's a mutual understanding of of how hard it is to play at this level. And uh, that respect, I think, is showed throughout the week, week to week, being able to shake hands at the end of the game. And um, no matter what, um, when it comes down to it, everyone understands that it, it, it is a game. You take a lot, you put a lot into it. And um, at the end of the day, it's just nice to go over there and, and pay your respect. We got Todd McShay and Marcus Mariota on the, the same time. And I know you're a big fan of this guy, Tua, and the performance that he put forward to win Alabama the national title game. What was your reaction when he threw the touchdown pass in overtime? Oh, uh, I mean, I was probably yelling at the top of my lungs i mean it was i've known to us since he was i mean since he was probably eight nine years old could you tell he was gonna like was he a really athletic eight or nine year old yes. like you could tell already that yeah he had i mean when we me and some of my high school teammates and even some of the guys around uh hawaii when we'd go and work out and he'd be there i mean you'd, we'd all look at each other when he threw the ball like he he's got a chance to be pretty good and it's pretty sweet to see just him grow up and and to to be able to step in a game like that and make the play that he did um, it's pretty awesome. Todd, how would you break him you, down? It reminds yeah. me a little bit of Marcus. Just humble, kind of a quiet leader, but but no fear and it's obviously young. talented. Does he have first-round talent? I mean, is it too early I to mean, break I've seen down? 10 throws on, <laughs> on TV, so it's, it's hard to – Does he have first-round talent to you? Is this a guy you expect to play I, in the absolutely. NFL? Absolutely, I think so. I think he's, got a, he's definitely got a chance. If he continues to um, keep his head on straight, which I think – I mean, his interview after the game, that's who he is. Yeah. I, I mean – so as he continues to be himself and, um, you know, continues to fight to get better every day, I think he's got a shot. Todd, I know you've got to keep running, but who are you with us? Who are you with today? I am with ZipRecruiter. Yes. Which kind of a, makes sense. You know, we're both <laughs> analyze yes. talent and, and evaluate talent. And um, the, big, the big pitch and thing that they want me to get out is 80% of employers who yep. post a qualified, who uh, post a job on, their, on the ZipRecruiter site find a qualified candidate through the site in just one day so obviously they do a great job and and uh, i'll be pitching them all day last question for you if you were advising kirk cousins where should he go in the nfl it's tough cleveland to me is interesting because if you can be the guy that 
finally turns things around. And with all the draft picks they have and all some of the young players they have, I think that that organization has a chance to turn it around in the next couple of years. But you're taking a big risk. You know what? Could Jacksonville afford him? I, I don't know. You know, money's going to be a big issue with that. The Jets have a lot of money, and the Browns have. I saw a statistic today. I think the Jets and the Browns have the most salary cap remaining of the two. Is he worth thirty million a year? I mean, no. If you're going to line up all, you know, yes. what Brady makes and everyone right. makes, but but at it, the time it's the market, place. so you're yeah. stuck with it. That's the that's the thing that's that's really difficult as a general manager. Outstanding stuff. Appreciate it, Todd. Great seeing you. Yeah, great seeing you. Good to see you. Yeah. Uh, Marcus, we'll finish off the show here. We just have a couple of minutes with you, but I appreciate uh, you joining us here. Got a new tight. You got a new offensive coordinator. You got a new coach. Where were you when you heard that uh, Mike Malarkey wasn't coming back? I was in Nashville. And so, like, was your phone blow up? Like, how did you become aware? Did he call you? Uh, actually, I got uh, Jason Michael, our quarterback coach, talked to me. Um, I love that guy to death. I think he's a great football mind. Um, and then from there, you just kind of hear it, and then um, it was addressed uh, by our general manager. And then from there, uh, really everyone just kind of waited to see what was going to happen. Have you talked very much with Vrabel since he's been hired? Yeah, actually, I, I've been kind of in and out of Nashville the last couple of weeks, so I've had an opportunity to sit down and talk with him and, uh, I love his vision. I love the direction he wants to take this team, and I think his mentality will, will sit well, well with the players, and hopefully we can just make it happen. What about LaFleur? Have you had a chance to meet your new offensive coordinator? It was actually pretty funny because as, as he was coming in, I was kind of heading out this way. So I uh, spent uh, probably a quick minute with him, um, and it's all, I, I'm excited. I think he's, he's a brilliant mind, and uh, we weren't able to talk a whole lot of ball, but uh, just the opportunity to sit down and talk to him and get to know him, uh, you know, I'm excited. When you don't play football, what do you do? Like, if you don't have to – you're not working. I don't want any football answer. Like, what is your favorite, <laughs> favorite television show? Like, how would you veg out? We're talking to Marcus Mariota, Titans quarterback. Like, what would you do to chill? It kind of – well, it depends on where I'm at. If I'm at home in Hawaii, uh, it's probably somewhere on the beach. Like, uh, are you a surfer? What do you do on the beach? So I'm a bodyboarder. Uh, so is that dangerous? Like, in your contract, are you allowed <laughs> to bodyboard? Uh Yes and no. Um, <laughs> I, have, you ever, have you ever come close and thought for a minute, like, uh-oh, I might get hurt here? Bodyboarding can be dangerous, yeah, right, if you I mean, catch the wave the right yeah, way. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, there's instances where I've kind of told myself, probably not a good idea. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's been a part of my life forever. So right. It's nice to get out of so the So the beach culture in Hawaii. What about, like, do you watch Netflix? Do you, like, what, what's your escape? Like, anything? Uh, golf. Are you a good golfer? No. I'm, uh, when I'm did okay. you start playing? Really in college. Yeah. I um, had an elective course left to, to take and ended up taking golf. And um, Have you ever gotten a hole-in-one? No, I was close. Actually, um, I was pretty close last time I played. Uh, I was in California. Um, Brett Kern's a pretty good golfer, the punter on the Titans stick, team. Does he yeah. talk a lot of trash about that? Uh, no, he's <laughs> he's a humble competitor. He can he can get after it though. Um, I know uh, you got a ton of stuff to do here. Talking like you started at six a.m. I think you're talking all the way until two, right, yep. all day long. Where does this rank compared to a game? Are you more nervous talking to the media for, for eight hours all day, or is it better to, like, how does it rank in terms of nervousness? Uh, it's kind of the same as a game. You know, once you get into it, once you get into the flow into it, you're just, it's all right. You just kind of go. And um, Personally, I never like these things, but it, it's a great opportunity. It's fun. I get to, to, to spend a day with Spam and, um, you know, really just kind of. Tell me what you're doing with Spam, which yeah, is really funny. Yeah, so. Uh, Spam's been a part of my life ever since I can remember. Um, Spam's a big deal back home in Hawaii. It's actually based out of Minnesota. Um, and it, it, for me, I, I enjoy um, – it, it's really kind of been a, 
um, it's in every single meal. It, whether you have it with, with breakfast, you can have it with eggs, you can have it as a snack uh, on game days. And um, if you ever need a recipe, go check out Spam.com. I never would have believed that you'd come on and tell us all about Spam, but that's a perfect way to conclude the week <laughs> of sports uh, Super Bowl here. Thank you so much, my Absolutely. man. Good luck next year. Thank Appreciate you. Thank You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.